0: Hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. I'm your host, Amy Souder, one of the editors at The Packer and Produce Market Guide, or PMG for short, two trade publications in the fresh produce industry. Today, we talk with Zach Carlin, General Manager of Farms for Bolthouse Farms, known for carrots. The 2,400 employees at Bolthouse Farms grow, process, package, and market fresh carrots, value-added versions, and CPG. Consumer packaged goods include buzzworthy carrot dogs, Bolthouse farm juices, smoothies, jolt shots that act as immunity boosters, and carrot noodle kits for quick carrot-centric meals. (laughs) say that fast over and over, right? Quick carrot-centric meals, quick carrot-centric meals. (laughs) For our purposes, we focus on the agriculture side as it pertains to fresh whole carrots, as well as fresh cut, value added, and other kinds found in retailer produce departments. We talk about how the company has adapted to pandemic-related health and supply chain issues, including labor availability, freight, prices, weather, and more. You're probably dealing with many of those, too. Also, you'll hear from Potatoes USA, providing some merchandising data and insights. Before, we'll go back to our interview with Zach Carlin of Bullhouse Farms. Now, let's hear this discussion. Hi, I'm Amy Sauter, editor of PMG and retail editor of The Packer. And Tom Karst, editor of The Packer, is here with me to talk with Zach Carlin, the general manager of Bolthouse Farms based in Bakersville, California. Welcome.
1: Well, thank you very much for the invite.
0: And so we know you're all about carrots, fresh and value added, fresh cut and all the kinds of ways with the shots and the and the hot dogs and everything. Um, so we want to know with all the challenges that the produce industry is going through with supply chains and everything, what's happening in your niche?
1: Yeah, no shortage of things to do here at Bold House Farms based in Bakersfield, California. We've been dealing with this uh, pandemic for what, 20 plus months now, as everybody else has. And, you know, it's almost like trying to put your hands around smoke as you solve a problem and fix a problem and it creates another problem. Uh, but we've been really focused in for the last 20 months on health and safety of our employees, first and foremost, and business continuity second, making sure that we play that important role in the supply chain, the food supply chain, if you will, because Old House Farms not only has a very, very large agricultural section in terms of our our care business, but we also have a very large CPG business Mm -hmm. that competes in the super premium space. And so those two are super important in the food system. And so as we've been, you know, working through COVID challenges and Delta challenges and Omicron challenges, you know, we have found ourselves in a couple of unique situations over the past couple of months and, you know, trying to adapt to them not just with supply chain issues, but with freight issues and employee availability issues. Mm-hmm. A little smattering of some weather in the Central Valley uh, during the December time frame has, uh, has left us uh, in a very unique position for sure.
2: Again, Zach, good, great to have you here today uh, to talk with us. Uh, you talk about employees. And I know you had a people day last uh, not too long ago, last fall perhaps, uh, which is great to, to recognize your employees that have... Uh, have been such a big part of your promise to deliver a product to to your customers so that that's that that signals a great um, value on your part so uh, but people are have gone through it I mean no matter where you're at in the world uh, this this pandemic hasn't been easy on people has it
1: it's been super challenging, right? And you know, I can't be prouder of the employees at Bold House Farms and how they've adapted to a bunch of the changes that we've implemented over the last 20 months. You know, early on in the pandemic, you know, we had to basically revamp how we run our entire operations. We had to you know think of a grocery store where you could only walk certain directions inside the facility isolating you know people inside their own unique facility and not taking employees from one plant to another using a lanyard colored system to ensure that you know we were able to track and trace everybody just in case they did go on the covid tracker to ensure that we kept everybody safe and you know from a people day perspective you know um the 2400 plus employees here at bold house farms again they, they live and breathe, you know, for Bolthouse Farms, they know, you know, their role inside of Bolthouse Farms and how important Bolthouse Farms is to the greater, you know, food ecosystem. And so we've just, you know, really leaned into that as much as possible, try to keep employees safe, educate them on masks and social distancing. And really, nobody has, you know, given us any blowback. Everybody's played ball and it's been a really, you know, encouraging time in a, in a unique way.
0: Let's take a short break for a sponsored interview. Kristen Dinsmore talks with Kayla Domi, Global Marketing Manager for Potatoes USA, about some new research to improve potato displays at retail. Stay with us because afterwards, we return to our
3: conversation
0: with Zach of Bolthouse Farms.
3: I am Kristen Dinsmore, and today I'm here with Kayla Domi. Kayla is the Global Marketing Manager for Potatoes USA. Potatoes USA is the marketing and research board for over 2,500 U.S. potato farmers. Good morning, Kayla. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So I understand that Potatoes USA has recently completed some research that can help grocery retailers with potato sales. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So Potatoes USA worked with IRI to complete a study focused on fresh potato merchandising best practices. The study highlights the ways grocery decision makers across the country can optimize their in-store displays for America's favorite vegetable and grow potato sales post-2020. And what insights did that research discover? Yeah, so there were three key areas we found that impact sales for fresh potatoes, the first one being assortment, the second displays, and the third promotions. So within assortment, IRI found russets are the base of any strong potato set, but they are not the only potato that matters. While russets make up the majority of potato sales, red, yellow, and white potatoes are still an important base to meet consumer expectations. And what did that research uncover regarding future potato sales post-2020? Yeah, the real growth drivers are Petit, Medley, and Purple potatoes. They make up a much smaller size of volume share sales, but they are offering what is called incremental growth for the category. Can you define incremental growth? regarding specifically in the potato market. So incremental growth is when a product adds sales to a category, does not take away sales of already top performing products. In this case, it is not taking away sales from russet, red, yellow, or white potatoes. Those consumers are still buying those potatoes, but they're also buying petite, medley, and purple potatoes too. So how can grocers draw attention to all these potatoes in store? Setting up potatoes is equally as important. Displays need to focus on the space allotted to fresh potatoes, signage, and diversity in shelving to be successful. So top-performing retailers have more space allotted to fresh potatoes on average than those underperforming. The increase is leading to more sales in the produce department. So how much space is sufficient when we're talking about potatoes? Displays are more than two feet larger for top performing retailers compared to those underperforming in the potato category. So an average of about 15 feet is what those top performing retailers are allotting to potatoes. What role does signage play? There are really just two types. So we have marketing signs and price signs. Marketing signs are the signs hanging above the potato display, the ones that kind of call out the category and they show consumers where they can easily find potatoes. The second important sign is a price tag. Consumers will not buy potatoes if they don't know the cost regardless of whether they're paying full price or a discounted price. An even amount of marketing signs and price signs are what is leading to growth for top performing retailers. They need to make it easy to see and understand for consumers. Um, Actually, some retailers that are using too many price signs have the opposite effect on sales. What display options should grocers consider? Fresh potato shelving comes in four different types. So we have bins, cardboard boxes, vertical shelving and tables. Top performing retailers are using a variety of all four types of shelving. So what else can help put potatoes in consumer grocery carts? Promotion can mean discounted product, but it can also mean highlighting a potato to bring consumers in. About 76% of potatoes are purchased at full price, so promotional dollars can be used more strategically to add growth. So top-performing retailers are using their promotional discount dollars by highlighting the lesser-known potatoes, For example, they're discounting a petite potato slightly and drawing in consumers. And then when the consumer comes in for the growth drivers, they pick up one of the commonly known potatoes, too. Timing is very important. Using discount dollars during the holidays when consumers are already going to buy potatoes does not have as big of an impact on increased sales as using promotional dollars during off months, such as July Not only are top-performing retailers selling more potatoes by using promotions in this way, but they're also getting a higher average everyday price. Where can folks find more information on fresh potato merchandising best practices? But more detailed information can be found on potatoretailer.com in our merchandising best practices guide. There are specific recommendations based on pack size, display size, and many additional facts to help increase the sales of potatoes in grocery stores nationwide. Kayla, thank you so much. And thank you. Thank you so much, Kristen Dinsmore and Kayla
0: Domi for bringing that to us. That research from Potatoes USA and IRI seems like it could be very helpful for retailers wanting to maximize their fresh potato profits. Now, let's go back to Zach and talk carrots. What about, yeah, lately there's been another uh, spate of news about uh, labor shortages um, related to maybe the latest wave, but everything else, uh, not just all the other reasons. Do you have any suggestions on how you retain workers and keep their morale up amid amid all the changing guidelines and um, and if anyone's hesitant to do some of the rules. Um,
1: yeah, our yeah. communication team has done a really good job on doubling down on policies and procedures to make sure that everybody understands that there, we're going to ground ourselves in the basics right there. And then, you know, as best we can, we try to, you know, put a virtual arm around employees all, you know, from all levels and make sure they understand that we're here for them. Uh, We are a a listening ear and we are, you know, if we can help, we will help however we can. Um, We've had an influx since, you know, like most of California and in the produce world of people kind of going out on the Omicron tracker over the last, call it 14, 15 days. And that seems to be stabilizing a little bit. Um, And, you know, we've had to really kind of expand the way we look at operations as well which includes some skew rationalization, right? In order to just keep the core SKUs going and make sure that we're supplying customers with the core SKUs and then some of the more labor intensive ones, putting them to the side for 30 to 45 days to make sure that we can, you know, again, keep customers and consumers with carrots.
0: Uh, I've heard that at least a few months ago on, and maybe a year ago. So that's either still happening or happening again. The um, focusing more on your the your best sellers or the, the, the as you say, the core SKUs, do you sometimes do swaps?
1: Yeah, we, we, off, we often will say, you know, we can't provide you with SKU X, but we can't push you into SKU Y to ensure that you still have carrots on your shelf. Um, and then the other dynamic that we're dealing with is the carrot category is growing, right? And so, if you think about Early March 2020, there was a seismic shift in people staying at home and going from the ready to eat baby carrots to the cello carrots or the whole carrots because they were cooking and stewing and, you know, et cetera. Well, now we're seeing that the whole carrot demand is kind of leveled out back to the 2019 demand, but the premiums are, you know, picking up quickly the mm. match, the sticks, the petites. And so the category in the last four weeks has been growing relative to other veg, which is exciting, right? We want the category to grow. But us being able to stay up with that changing consumer demand has also been challenging through, you know, this COVID environment.
2: Zach, what about the, the organic uh, space? Is, is finding supply and, and the needed inputs for, for organic just as tough it is as it is for conventional? And what kind of challenges do you face in that space?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, we play in the organic carrot space, both on the, you know, uh, shortcut, cello, and then premium side. And our ability to fulfill that has been a little bit challenging. You know, some of the regions are along the outskirts of Kern County. There are micro weather climates out there that are a little more difficult than, you know, greater Kern County area. Um, and it's a space that we're getting better at all the time. But remember, when we're talking about planting carrots, we're working on a schedule that's nine to 12 months out, right? And so it's not like we have that ability to instantly react to a 20% surge in demand if there is such mm-hmm. a surge. And so we are somewhat supply constrained, you know, because we want to make sure that we're maximizing acres, right? And we don't have excess acres that could potentially go to waste.
0: Oh, that's a good point. Back to the, the premium skews and the, the matchstick, what was the other kind, the kind that remind me of potato chips? The chips. Chips. Yes. That makes sense. Um,
1: <laughs> why
0: Why do you think those are having a higher demand?
1: You know, I don't officially know, um, but I, I do have a, a theory that people are starting to build their own salads, kind of do their own, you know, salad kits at home. It's the beginning of the year. You always see a surge in healthy eating. We always see that surge in our, our beverage business as well, where people are kind of hitting the reset for the first 45, 60 days of the year. And so I think some combination of that is driving the category um, and then there's the availability, right? I mean, carrots widely are, are available year round. And so I think there is a little bit, if there's some shortage in the supply chain and other veg areas, they're going to gravitate towards that, you know, orange on the shelf.
0: Is there a uh, less of a price gap between organic carrots and conventional carrots compared to other
1: produce? I feel I mean, like I've varies, noticed that. You know, it varies by region and by, by um customer if you will.
2: Zach talk a little bit about carrots I know that's a, a big part of obviously everything you do just brag on carrots a little bit why is it such a, a key category for retailers and, and you know as you mentioned through the pandemic it's been doing well describe a little bit about the category and maybe your part in that category.
1: Yeah we obviously play us and Grimway play a huge role in the category on the carrot space um, you know it's it's in my humble opinion, one of the healthiest, most all-natural vegetables there is. It's potenti- It's ready to eat all around. Um, relative to other veg, it is fairly cheap, and it's it's readily available. Right, it's a year-round uh, product that you don't have to wait. You know, for the season to pop. And so, you know, with our regional growing strategy, we're able to keep you know America, our portion of America, grocery stores supplied with carrots all the time. Um, And look, I mean, it's an easy, convenient snack, right? I mean, my kids eat them all the time. We eat sticks all the time. And if there's not a carrot on the plate, we've we've, uh, missed an opportunity at our house for sure.
0: Do you see a bump when school starts?
1: Always, there's always that kind of call it the 13 holiday peaks uh, of the produce world. But, you know, where we see the bump, you know, late August, early September when school starts is in the snack packs and the smaller carrots, mm-hmm. you know, the convenience of grabbing one and throwing it into the lunch bail or going through the school system. Then there's that obligatory Thanksgiving, you know, uh, Christmas poll, back to back with New Year, a little bit of a lull, Super Bowl big, you know, pre COVID, obviously very big, last couple of years a little softer. A little bit of a lull, Easter, lull, and then you kind of get a slight bump on the memorial and Labor Day, but there is that seasonality to the carrot business.
0: What do you wish that retail buyers knew?
1: Well, I mean, I think they know it, but I mean, it is probably the most difficult operating environment I have I could ever have imagined, right? You couldn't write this movie 20 months ago. And, you know, we are working as diligently and as hard as we can every single day, you know, in some cases, seven days a week to make sure that, you know, we get inventory out of the ground, we're able to process it and keep them in stock as much as possible. Uh, but because it, it, everybody is challenged right now from all fronts. And so, we're again trying to play our role in making sure that we keep the fresh food system up and stabilized. Um, but it is it
2: is tough. You know, we we hear reports, and Amy did some coverage uh, this this week about the bare shells out there in some places. Uh, what's behind that? Is I mean, I know that's the whole issue we're talking about. I guess is is it truck drivers? Is it at the production facility at the at the farm? How how would you divide up the percentage of you know, drag that we're seeing out there in terms of fulfilling these orders. So, uh, what what do you think about it all?
1: Yeah, uh, the answer to your your three questions is yes, yes, and yes. Like, yeah. what's driving it? All of it is driving it. Yeah. Um, and I can't speak for the rest of the industry nor our competitors down the down the road. But what I can tell you is, you know. We have carrots in the ground, but getting, you know, wheels underneath them, freight from the carrot field to the factory at at Brundage is, you know, challenging, right? There's a shortage of drivers and uh, we are, you know, kind of battling that front as well. And then once you get them here, making sure you have the proper amount of employees to process all of those carrots is challenging, right? And then getting them out the door and onto the train to Chicago or into customer hands is challenging. And So from a percentage basis, I can't tell you one is more important than the other, but, you know, that timeline that I just described, everything has to work in harmony for us in order to you know, keep everybody in supply with carrots.
0: Could you take us through the very basics of, of growing carrots and storing them and what makes okay. them so great as a year round?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. depending on whether it's shortcuts or solo in the region, whether it's in Washington, you know, Salinas, Kern County, Lancaster, Cuyama, they have different growing days and different requirements. But in general, think of it as, you know, somewhere between 130 and 155 to 60 days to grow a carrot. Um, And so it's a high labor intensive, you know, um, you know, produce. Uh, From there, it's harvested and pulled into the facility. You know, we uh, pride ourselves in terms of turning carrots from field to bag in 24 to 48 hours to ensure there's freshness there. And then it gets a best of use by date anywhere from 28 to 34 days, depending on the time of the year. Um, You know, and so... The other beauty of a carrot is you can turn it into a lot of things, right? And so it's not just the whole carrot or the the, the shortcut carrot. You've got the match, the chips, the slice, the dice, um, all the other things you can do with the carrot byproduct. And, you know, we have the benefit of having a really strong foothold in the carrot juice business with our CPG business, right? And so they are fed naturally with a lot of the byproduct, both conventionally and organically. And so our facility really prides itself on utilizing as much of the carrot as possible and not letting really anything go to waste.
0: That brought up the other question is, is having um, the CPG or consumer product goods division um, f- along with your fresh produce uh, um, business, um, does that, you kind of can, anything that's like ugly or not uh, cosmetically? Yeah, no
1: carrots are ugly. They're all, they're <laughs> all beautiful in their own Anything alive.
0: that's not cosmetically according to <laughs> certain, you know, arbitrary
1: standards. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we 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 not only have a CPG business that we can push them into, you know, we have a very strong uh, carrot concentrate business that we can push them into as well. And so, you know, and those byproduct businesses were built on the backs of utilizing the carrot to ensure that we weren't, you know, growing something and not recovering it, not just economically, but making sure we're doing right by the by the product.
0: Being sustainable uh, can be good for the bottom dollar as well, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, can you talk to us about any of those, those products? You've come out with some pretty trendy and media uh, buzzy items in the past, like that hot dog.
1: Um,
0: all on Wonder Roots. Yeah. And was it bolt, uh, bolt uh, the, shot, the immunity shots and things?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let, let's talk about Wonder Roots first. Um, you know, back in, I think it was, uh, forgive me, September of 2019, um, I went to Bill Levisay, my counterpart on the CPG land, and R and D rolls up underneath him, and I said, "Hey, can can you just give me an R and D person for four or five hours a week?" Right. The last thing that was really the advent in carrot was baby carrots in 1988. There's got to be more we can do with this. And he kind of scoffed at me a little bit in the Bill Levisay way. And ultimately, we ended up with an R and D specialist, Courtney Cobdish, and within 14 days, we had carrot uh, hot dogs carrot bacon, carrot rice, uh, carrot fettuccine. I mean, he just exploded with all of these things. And it was just fascinating to watch, you know, the enthusiasm and the carrot world, you know, uh, happen live in front of your eyes. And we got to a place where we actually promoted them at PMA that year. So we went from a conversation to PMA 45 days later and had products that we were showing customers. Ah, uh, we launched carrot hot dogs in selected uh, regions of the country and started to gather data on, you know, how do people feel about them? You know, what can we improve on them? Uh, we ultimately pulled them back, in part, of because of the skew rationalization that I was talking about with labor oh, yeah, shortages, because yeah. they are right now very labor intensive, and then we're going to relaunch them as soon as we're ready, potentially, you know, spring or fall of this year. Ooh, but, fun. you know. Carrot hot dogs are, they're incredible, right? If you haven't had one, you should find, find a way to get one because they look and feel and act like a hot dog. And some, you know, we have given them to, uh, you know, people at work and we give them to the customers and everybody bites into it and they're like, wow, that's actually feels and has that mouthfeel of a hot dog, but not all the stuff that's inside of a hot dog. And so... We're a bit bullish on that product, and, you know, again, we have other products stacked up behind it from an um, from an innovation standpoint, but really that one is kind of like the flagship for Rooms.
0: Yeah, I think their uh, company sent out a bunch of these products to different staff members of ours, and awesome. I recall trying the, um, was it Riced? They were packaged uh, with different flavorings and everything, yeah. and the, the, the fettuccine and everything. It was really fun. Um, so... But I do understand with all these supply chain uh, challenges, you really have to focus on the core at the, you know, at the moment. That makes sense. Um, were you about to ask a question, Tom?
2: Oh, no. I, I, one, one thing I was just thinking of, Zach, maybe what is one goal you've got, maybe a, a goal for the company or a goal for yourself for this year? And maybe what's one productivity hack that you could, uh, that, that mm-hmm. you that you rely on that you like to do. What, what, what would you say about that? Yeah, I would say that the main goal for me is stabilize, right? I want
1: to stabilize bold house farms uh, first and foremost, from an employee standpoint, and then from a productivity and predictability standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I really have having my team and, and, you know, the rest of the executive team is really focusing on stabilizing the business, working on combating inflation, working on combating some of the things that are bubbling up, you know, all off freight, et cetera. But all of that kind of steers our ship towards stabilizing all of, you know, calendar 2022 for us. That sounds good. How about a habit
2: that you like that that you think pays off for you? Anything in particular?
1: Uh, Um. Anybody at Bold House who has heard me talk, I I use the phrase militant commitment to the basics, right? And for us, Mm -hmm. having a militant commitment to the basics day in and day out is super important, right? And we are a very regimented company. We have daily meetings at 7.30, 9.30, 3.30, et cetera. And making sure that we just hold that cadence so that we're all in lock and step all the time is really important because... From my perspective, you know, uh, we're fighting a lot of external, you know, situations that we've talked about during this interview, but making sure that internally we're in harmony at all times is really, really paramount at this particular point.
0: Wow. Three meetings automatically every day. Every day. (laughs) Well, then you really would be all on the same page. That's for sure. Right. With the same communication, you wouldn't have communicate. I mean, you hear communication is super important, especially when people are a little bit more for remote, um, or at least the staff
1: that can be. Um, Yeah, for sure. And we do uh, as good of a job as I know how to in ensuring that people that are working from home are still tucked into the day-to-day business. We're still communicating with them um, in all of those meetings, plus other ones. But again, making sure that we're in lock and step at all time and that we're communicating direction and expectations and we're delivering on those promises is really, really important.
0: Um, any final thoughts that you think we really, you know, the produce industry, uh, the retail needs to, to know or what they can look forward to?
1: For me, we're all kind of in this together. Right. And it's super important that we utilize shared resources and, you know, balance best in class ideas off of each other to ensure that we keep the food system going. Right. Because yeah. um, without that, you could have a serious problem on your hands. And so. I I couldn't be prouder of House Farms of what we've been doing for the last 20 plus months in a weird way. I'm really excited about 2022, you know, and trying to stabilize what we can, what we're doing and, you know, focusing in on what we control and what we can control, we'll control and what we can't, not really going to lose a lot of sleep over it. Right. And so it's going to be, it has been a bumpy ride and I'm I'm looking forward to a a smoother one if there is such a one uh, for the rest of this calendar year. Great.
2: Yeah, Zach, it's been a great, uh, great treat to talk to you and a lot of great insights. So we appreciate that. Thanks. Really appreciate the time.
0: Thank you. Hey everyone, that wraps it up for us today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear on this tip of the iceberg podcast, please take a moment to hit that subscribe button, rate us and type out a quick review on whatever platform you use to listen to tip of the iceberg and enjoy our earlier episodes. In our last two, we talked to our new editors, Melissa Treolo and Ed Bowling, and discussed GOPEX or Global Organic Produce Expo. Plus we discussed retail shortages and the week before Dan O'Connell of Food Mix Marketing Communications talks about his company's food industry predictions for 2022. And we'll have more of those great conversations from the industry each week. Thanks so much for your support. I hope you learned something useful or inspirational and have a wonderful week.